Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And we are talking... On the we. radio, isn't this? Radio? We're on the radio. We. You realize that people are listening to our voices right now? Yes, sir. If you're listening to this right now, mm-hmm. then you're listening to it right now. And that's important to get out there. I <laughs> don't know why I even said that. But you know what? That was I, some deep philosophical something-something. That's about all I got. Yeah. I, I, I am glad people are listening, though. I am, too. Because we have something to say. Yes, we do. This is a this is. A, by the way, hello, Tom Dorian. Hello, Deacon Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How that's are you? awesome. You know what? I am... I'm a thrill a minute right That's now. That's right here. Just all kinds of stuff's going on. and You're kind of wound up, aren't you? Yeah. I'm That's getting okay. ready to head out of town. That's what I hear. Um, you know, I think that the reality is that uh, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but the Catholic Cafe, like one-third of the year, mm-hmm. we open up. I mean, one-fourth of the year. One-fourth. We open up a French version of the Catholic Cafe. Yes. And a lot of people think, I don't speak French. That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. But if you can drink a it's cafe latte and, and eat a croissant, you are qualified. Croissant. Yeah, croissant. Croissant. And so uh, we I can't are, say that. we're heading to France. And so I go yes, on an annual are. pilgrimage every year. We're going to miss you. To Lourdes. That's right. how you say it there. All right. And so we're going to have some great shows. Now, is a sidekick over there called Tom? No. You had a sidekick named Tom. It's Pierre. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, and actually the sidekick is going to be Fra Tom. There you go. He's Fra, it's like from Fratres for brother. It's, right. He's, he's Brother Tom. There you go. Well, tell, tell Brother Tom I said hello. I will do that, and he's going to say hello right back. And so, anyway, look oui. forward to, uh, you know, a couple of months worth of shows that mm-hmm. come out of the French Catholic Cafe. Yeah. Very exciting stuff. But you know what? Here we Ooh. are still. We're in our normal situation in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and we're talking about family. Family. All yeah. right. A popular topic with we us. We could talk a long time about that, And we, we already have. Just because we got big ones. Big families. At exactly least, right. I think I have a big one. You, I'm sure, think we have a great start. You have a nice family. <laughs> you have a nice family. Nice little family. Yeah. You got five kids. Five kids. Yeah. I've got nine kids. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Well, so we're not quite twice as good as you. Well, so you got that going for you. No, you guys got a great family. And, you know, here's the thing. Between us, look at it this way. We got 14 kids. That's a lot of kids. And if you count you and me, that's really 16 kids. That's true. And the wives have to care for all of us. You know that those two would count us, too. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah. But But the point is. No argument. We know a lot about kids. And I get asked a lot of questions about families, about kids about parenting, mm-hmm. and I never really—I didn't get any degrees in parenting. Wish they had that. Well, I think they ought to give them to you for you know having nine kids or five kids or whatever. Give you some kind of a diploma. Yeah, with with every like third child, you get like a degree. I've told I've told Protestant friends that when you have five kids, the Pope sends you a certificate. Yeah, <laughs> do they believe it? Oh yeah, they look at you like, really, really. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, really. So anyway, with having kids comes a lot of experience and wisdom. Yes. And so people are always asking questions about, well, what about this? What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. 
And so I, you know, have jotted down, and you've got some ideas about this as well, just some sort of Catholic parenting 101 kind of stuff. <laughs> so we're just going to kind of go down this and start talking about some of this stuff. We're going to get mail on this one. That's okay. I like getting mail. <laughs> and people might have some different ideas than I have. Oh, you think? Well, you know, <laughs> not everybody can be right, Tom. That's the way I see it. I may be wrong in saying that, but oh, I'm, I'm going to say be good. it. No, I, I think these are some commonsensical things, but maybe some things that people haven't thought about. Yeah. And, and the first one I wanted to talk about is this concept where uh, you probably heard this sentiment from mm-hmm. somebody where they would say, you know, I want my kids to grow up and be like better than I am. I want my kids to be holier than me. Right. I never really did this much, and I want my kid to be holier than me. Yeah. I used to teach baptismal prep classes at one parish, and we would ask people, why are you baptizing your child? And we really did that so that we could get their answers, so that we could then kind of see where these people were. Get and, a gauge. Right, right. Help them under, understand what baptism was and all that kind of stuff, of course, but really to see where are they. Mm-hmm. You know, we get all these different answers, like to get grandma off my back and things like that. You know, and I, at least they were honest. <laughs> you know, but also one guy, one guy wrote that, uh, and it was a young couple, I guess. They wrote that we wanted our child to be holier than we were. And I thought about that for a second. That's nice. It's a nice sentiment. It yeah. seems like a nice sentiment. It does. But I don't think it works that way. I don't think it does either. But and it the does reason, sound nice. The reason why is, is uh, you know, I think a lot of folks think that when you tell people stuff and you educate people and you read, you, you read them, you know, do some good book learning with your kids. You read the remember the old Doctor Spock books? I guess I'm getting, showing my age again. I don't. In the '60s or '70s or whatever, there were these books oh, on yeah. how to parent. Yeah, right. There were all these self help things. Now right. it's all about self esteem and stuff like that. Right. You know, God loves you. You know, there's a lot of that stuff out there. But before it was like all about parenting. Right. And you'd have these guys with all kinds of initials at the back of their name writing books about parenting. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're all messed up, and all their kids were terrible. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> but all that aside. Um, a lot of people don't realize that people don't so much learn based on what you tell them. In, in other well, words... Especially kids. Yeah. I mean, if you think about what we do with our kids, mm-hmm. they're, they're not learning from what you say. Right. They're really learning from what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, do as I say, not as I do, is, exactly. a, is a negative way of saying, I ain't doing the right stuff. So don't you do it. Don't you do it, too. Which... It, no matter how many times you say that, it's not going to work. They're going to grow up and be just like you. That's exactly right. You know, so the f- the first thing is, you know, your kids will grow up to be just like you. So now, they're not going to be holier than you, right? They're going to be just like you. Just so here's holy. the thing, exactly, which helps us, you know, in a big way to kind of see this is an opportunity for you to grow in holiness, so that your child can grow in holiness, right? But your kid isn't going to be holier than you, right? Essentially, that's why you're their parent. That's why God entrusted that child to you so that you can train the child up to, to be the example, the living right. example of what you want that child to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so I, I, I tell this story that's really powerful about this thing and how I learned that. Do I know this story? It's called the frog story. I do know this story. Yeah. It's a good story because I tell it to every time I'm teaching like parents about first penance, like, well, we want our kids to go to confession. Well, you got to go to confession. That's right. how they're going to, not because you tell them or because mm-hmm. the church forces them or whatever. It's because you go. That's what's going to make them want to go. Mm-hmm. But the point is when I was a, a, a first time father mm-hmm. back at child one, little Megan, when she was two years old, took her out for a Sunday in the park. 
while mom and mother-in-law sat in their house kind of sipping coffee, wondering if I was going to destroy the child or not or bring her back in one piece, which I, I'm a fairly capable guy. That was a long time ago. Long time ago. She's 26 now. Yeah. So I, 24 I've been, years. 23. I've learned from this story. So way back then, 24 years ago, mm-hmm. I learned. I, was, I, was a, I, was, I didn't have a collar on. And I might have had a foul mouth at the time. And I did. Maybe. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. You didn't know me back then, but I, I, you know, I was just a different person. I hadn't grown up and matured a lot. And uh, so I would say bad words. And my wife always corrected me and said, you shouldn't say that kind of stuff. And so one day while I was trying to put her back in the car for this beautiful day in the park, I couldn't get this car seat to buckle. Mm-hmm. And just out of the blue, you know, really straight from my heart, comes the word frog like frog (laughs) we'll just say it's the word frog okay i'm with you so i I know this is catholic radio and we're talking about jesus and love and the bible and god and all that stuff and here i just said the word frog and you know what i'm saying right and it's to it's to show you something it's to illustrate something that was profound in my life and i'm not going to sit here and say it was a good thing that i said frog it was horrible Mm mm-hmm but, you know, when my my wife would say, don't say that, and when I was younger, my mother would say, what did you, you know, <laughs> right? I, and I knew those were bad things, but they would tell me not to say it. And then when I said it in front of my two-year-old daughter, so here I said, frog, this thing won't, the car seat won't buckle, you know, it was just exasperated. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this little two-year-old, beautiful, angelic voice went, frog, <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, no, what have I done? Can't rewind it. No. Take it back, take it back, take it back, take it back. It didn't go back. I want to be like Superman and fly backwards right. around the earth to turn it back, to turn back time. Right. It didn't work. And so then I said, Megan, honey, frog is a bad word. Don't say frog. And she goes, frog, frog, frog is a bad word. Don't say frog, 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 frog. She wouldn't stop saying it. And I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Now, I, I was a quick thinker back then, yeah. covering my tracks, because I, I guess I had a lot of tracks to cover. <laughs> and so I said, oh, hey, small brain, two-year-old. Hey, let's go get some French fries. One in, one out, right? So get rid of the uh, word frog. Right. Put French fries in there. Work beautifully. There you go. So then she forgot the word frog. And so, because I thought if I had to take my child back to mother-in-law and mother, and the first thing she says in the door is frog, frog, (laughs) that would not be a a pretty scene. No. And you guys can kind of feel my discomfort, my angst, and my, my feverish attempt to cover my tracks and what had to happen. But it taught me a valuable lesson. And on that day... I, really, it was the last time I think my daughter ever heard me say that word ever, because it changed how I I, I realized suddenly that my kid wasn't going to do what I told her to do. Mm-hmm. She was going to do what I did. Right. Right. See, if I'm overweight, if I cuss a lot, mm-hmm. if I skip mass, my kids are going to be overweight. They're going to cuss a lot and they're going to skip mass. Right. They're going to do just what we do. Mm-hmm. But on the contrary, you know, if I eat right, if I pray a lot, you know, if they see me on my knees. If I go to confession, if I go to mass, they're going to eat right. They're going to pray. They're going to go to confession. They're going to go to mass because that's their experience. Right. They're going to be just like us. So if you're thinking that you want your kid to be holier than you, it's a nice sentiment, but it doesn't work. What has to happen is they can be as holy as you. Mm-hmm. Now, you might find some exceptions, and maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe you'll win the lottery. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the reality is the best way to make your child holy is to be holy, to emulate that holiness, and let them realize that this is something they can do because you're modeling it for them. Right. And if you can do it, they can do it. So if you want your kid to be holy, then you need to use this as an opportunity to start being holy, to start doing the things that that really essentially make you a holy person. 
Are you somebody, Tom, that do you think you emulate that for your kids? I, I'd like to say I do. You know, I, I certainly feel like I'm trying. I know I'm not perfect. Do you want my opinion? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you do a good job. Sure. You're, Share it with me now. Guy. No, no, no. I, I, uh, my opinion is that you do a, you do a good job with Well, that. I hope so, but I don't know. Back in the day, I don't think I was that great. I but you realize, the, you realize the power of your actions versus your words. Oh, yeah. And see, I think that's huge. I think a lot of people don't realize, because we have these ideas. I want to do this, and here's how I'm going to do it. And they, and they have it all plotted out in their mind, and they got it all written down on paper. And then they pronounce these things to their kids. You, you know, thou shalt not steal. It's bad to steal, honey. Right. And then they see you cheat on your taxes. Yeah. Right? They, they watch you as you're saying, I ain't going to tell that. We're going to hide that income. Right. Well, whoa. What? And they see this, this, in, this, this things no longer uh, makes any sense to them. And they may not use the word hypocrite, but essentially you've become a hypocrite. Yeah, that's what they're thinking. They're thinking, well, he says And this. they're going to be wired to do the same. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So your kids will grow up to be just like you. And I hope you're a good person. If you're not a good person and you're listening to this, become a good person. Yeah. And don't say frog. Don't ever say frog. <laughs> it's a bad word. It is a bad word. We're going to say some good words on the other side of this break. Let's do that. Right. Uh, before we go to the break, I want to remind folks at home, our website, thecatholiccafe.com. But also send me an email. I would love to hear your your frog story. We've all got one. <laughs> right. Send that to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that... We will be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. St. Monica is a North African saint who has inspired millions of Catholics to pray and hope for their family members who have fallen away from or who have never even approached the Church of Christ. She was married at an early age to a man of her parents' choosing. Her spouse was a pagan man with a secure income and an exalted position within the community. Unfortunately, he lacked integrity and basic virtue. He was unfaithful to their marital vows and abusive. A biographer of St. Monica's wrote, She knew, she saw, but she kept quiet and suffered in silence. She prayed and probably wept but realized that the religion of the pagans condoned great moral degradation. Like so many women of her time, she had nowhere in the world to turn. So instead, she turned heavenward to the help of the Almighty. And help he did. St. Monica was so well known for her deep inner peace and holiness that she began to counsel other women who had unfaithful and wayward husbands. Because of her great witness to the love of Christ in her own life, her husband eventually renounced sin and became a Christian. He died soon after his conversion and left St. Monica with her children. One of her children was the famous St. Augustine of Hippo, who had completely renounced the Christian faith of his upbringing and was living a dissolute life. The saintly woman prayed, encouraged, and pleaded with her son, like any good mother is apt to do. She followed him from their home in North Africa to Rome, and finally to Milan. St. Monica prayed to God on her son's behalf for many, many years. She never lost hope, and she never stopped praying. After many turbulent years in the lives of both St. Monica and St. Augustine, her prayers were answered. 
St. Augustine is now one of the greatest and most revered fathers and doctors of the church. Many of our stories are not as dramatic as St. Monica's or St. Augustine's, but we can all learn from her persistence and filial love. Family and friends have left or avoided the loving arms of the church for many and various reasons, but they all come back for the same reason, the experience of Christ's powerful love. St. Monica is a great witness to this love of Jesus Christ. Her persistence and gentle patience are a roadmap for our own lives and conversions. St. Monica's feast day is August 27th. I'm Bester Zimski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff. Yes, you and are. And we are talking about parenting, Catholic Parenting 101. So a question. Yeah? How many years was it before you told Bess that story? You know, I think she Or just, have you told her Oh, story? <laughs> I've told her. Uh, I didn't tell her right then. I'm sure. I, I told you I wasn't a great guy as a young man. I had a I lot of growing up her. to do. But i got to be honest with you. Uh, it was profound to me then. And it really, I really didn't start telling the story until I started teaching, like baptism, teaching behavioral stuff so that parents would say, well, I want my kids to do this. I mean, I use it every year. I use that story every year when I teach all of the second grade parents okay. about like first penance. That's a good one. Because if you stop and think about it, I'm telling people how important penance is who many of them don't go and haven't gone for years. Yeah. And and we're sitting there telling, we're going to be marching your little second graders in there to talking about you know, you know, kicking little Susie and you mm-hmm. know spitting on the dog or whatever terrible <laughs> thing they've done in their life. Mm-hmm. And these parents are going, mm, that's a good thing. And the reality is, the really the parents aren't necessarily modeling that behavior, or they don't realize the importance of modeling that behavior. Right. Many of them go to confession, but a lot of them don't realize that it's okay to let your kids see that you go. Right. It's not something you should be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to take my kids to adoration, and I would take them to confession, mm-hmm. and then we go to McDonald's for a milkshake. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that's a good thing. Bribery is a good thing. And so, just the other day, my fifty-year-old child said, "You know, <laughs> let's get a, no, I'm kidding. I don't have any fifty-year-old kids." But you know, sometimes, Fries, Dad. No, this is not bribery. This is this is a positive association. No, I know. And and really, I think that's a it's a neat thing. You know, confession, sure. Eucharist. Sweet, you know, I just yeah. had no problem with having some kind no. of affirmation going on there. No, and the reality is, a lot of people don't realize that they need to model that behavior if they want their child to do it. Yeah. And also, as their kids get older, they're going to ask questions. Right, Daddy, how often do you go to confession? <laughs> uh, hold on, son, where's the remote control? You know, and it's like <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Right, unless I can answer it honestly and say, I go once a month. Right. I go three times a year. I go whatever the, the number is. And I think the kids need to hear that. And hopefully you don't say, you know, I haven't been in years. Yeah. Because what that does is it teaches your child, don't go in years. Yeah. Dad did it. He's alive. Yep. Right? And so it's it's important, I think, that we understand that what we do is really what's modeling to that child. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. And it's not just your kids, by the way, but because it also works in life. People that you supervise and work, people that you... Uh, 
uh, a team that you're working on, the barbecue festival or whatever. It just doesn't matter. Whoever you're encountering, modeling that behavior is, is powerful. It's a it's the best leadership tool that you can use. Yeah, it's when people go, this guy or this girl is genuine. Mm-hmm. I'll follow them. Yeah. So there's a couple other ones I want to kind of zip through here. Zip. Let's so zip. one is people have asked me like. Well, I've heard this several times. Mm-hmm. When say you say, "Wow, why didn't you tell them that was a bad thing?" Well, they're eighteen. Well, I can't tell them that anymore. Yeah. By law, they are now adults. Sure. So I'm done teaching. Now the problem is, I have grown to know. I've got a 26 year old, 24 year old, 22 year old, 20 year old, 18 year old, mm-hmm. and I'll just say it again: the 18 year old. When he turned 18, he was also working at the front desk at the bowling alley. So he knows everything. Mm-hmm. But I have all these adults in the in He's the a good family. boy. He's a good guy. So I have all of these. Uh, Jared, I'll say his name yeah, so I can say boy. that I said his name out he loud. He is a good boy. So all these adults. In the, and does that mean that I've stopped teaching them anything? And the no. answer is no. And, and I want to reiterate this. I think. Now, you may disagree with me. But I think you never stop being a parent. You never stop being a parent. So when people are telling you all these horror, yeah, Dang. people telling me all these horror stories about what their kids are doing, um, you know, and they're messing up and they're doing this, and they don't go to mass anymore, and this is happening. It's like, well, who said that you suddenly just like cut the chain and you're done? Right. Now, how you parent changes. Definitely. That part has to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you used to, you know, feed them, wipe their little tushy. You know, mm-hmm. you did all the things that a that a good parent would do, and then as they got a little older, you still laid the clothes out, mom would put the Make sure the animals matched and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And you'd, you'd, you'd dress them and you chose what school or all those things. You made those decisions. And as they get older, they're going to have to make those on their own. Right. Right? Hopefully, you don't have animals for your 25-year-old. Well, have you noticed that 25-year-old animals never match? Yeah, of course not. That's cool. Yeah. It's cool for the animals not to match. But all that aside, <laughs> <laughs> you, you still can say, listen, when my 22-year-old comes to me and says, Dad, hey, I want to talk to you something. It's like, well, you know what, Nicholas? I will talk to you as soon as you get that size extra small T-shirt off and put something on that doesn't make you look like a three-year-old because it'll change how I address you. You know, I want to let him know that he shouldn't be wearing clothes that are too small for him. Right. He thinks it makes him look his muscles bigger or something. I don't know why he exactly. does Exactly. You know, we were different. Like, when we were young, we wanted something that was hanging on us, like a big, right. you know, I don't know, burlap sack or something. Yeah. A seed bag. Everything was covered up. Yeah. Right. right. Well, so now it's like, I guess they want to have the tight clothes, the small clothes and whatever. It's kind of silly. But uh, Kids. all that aside, you never stop being their parent. Now, how you parent is different. Right. It's just, it, but you always want to be invited. You want to always invite them into your life and have them invite you into theirs. And you have to build that sort of trust on the front end. Sure. And if you do that, I think, I mean, do you have conversations with your kids and does that lead to... It's really just what you said. It's conversations. It's not going to be where you're sitting them down and you're talking at them or down to them. Not that I ever did that, but no. you understand the perception. Well, you do at the beginning. I shouldn't say down to it's them. It's perceived that way. You're you not teach, doing that. But when they're five... It's going to be perceived that way. Right. And they just lied about stealing a cookie from the cookie jar or whatever. Right. Or right. some, or, or taking a dollar out of your wallet on the dresser. Right. Well, you need to be serious. And then you yeah. are addressing them, admonishing them. Right. But when it, when they get older. Yeah, you can, you can only go so far. Well, advice. You, you, it's just different. But you're offering right. advice. But they trust you at that point because all, your, all their life, they've known they can trust you. And you build that early on. Right. But let's say that you've got kind of... A little problem now with communicating. Yeah. I still f- think that you 
still as a parent need to show them a couple of things. The way to go, mm-hmm. but not by telling them. Right. Son, really what do y'all do here? This. This is what you do with your money. This is what you do with your wife. This is what you do with your kids. This is the school you need to go to. This is the kind of car you need to buy. They're not going to listen to you. Because if they if you don't have that trust already, they're not really going to listen. Right. But if you model the behavior, it's going to help them. Oh, yeah. And if they ask, you give them the answer. Yeah. Right? And that's that's certainly one way that, that, that you can do it. But also just letting them know that you love them. Sure. See, that's the thing. You can do anything when you do that... Uh, that sandwich that I learned about in uh, in corporate America. Oh, the love sandwich. Yeah, it's well, you the bread is love, right? So the right. you you say I love you. Here's the thing that's got to be changed or fixed. Here's what's broken. Here's the problem. Here's the part you're not going to like. And, and I, love I love you. you. Right. And if they under, if you sandwich everything in love, no matter what's in the middle, it's they're gonna, edible. It's it's edible. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's a good thing. So here's another thing. People that tell me they want to hide their kids from the world, they want to shelter and protect and guard their kids. We do protect our kids. We do guard our kids. But sheltering, we shelter from the storm. We keep the rain out. But the reality is you can't keep them out of the world. Mm -mm. And if you tell your kids they'll never eat sugar their entire life, what are they going to do as soon as they get into the closet with a box of Cap'n Crunch? Oh, they're going to wolf it down. It's gone. Yeah. Right? And, and, And they're going to have this reaction and so I'm not saying that suddenly you show objectionable material to them on television, but like when those things that you might normally say, you're not allowed to watch this, some things you might want to watch with them. Right. And then you, it, the beautiful thing about technology today is you can pause the TV and say, now, you know what's wrong with this? Right. What did that dad just say? What is that kid doing? Mm-hmm. Who's not telling the truth? Mm-hmm. Where is this going to lead? What happens in that relationship? Should they have done that? Or is that, they're not married. How do you, you know, and so you can have these discussions, you know, at an age appropriate time. Right. Depending on what you're watching. So you're not going to watch some rated R movie with your eight year old. Right. But at the same time, not letting them watch a movie because there's an objectionable character might not be the right answer. Because when they go to their friend's house, when they, when they're on their own. Right. Finally, I'm out under that heavy-handed television sensor, <laughs> and I can watch anything that I want. Right. So that's three great things we've learned. Your kids will grow up to be just like you. You never stop being a parent. You can't hide your kids from the world. Amen. You know what that music means? Prayer. We're out of time. Yeah. Let's you know pray. what? Let's ask the Blessed Mother for her intercession to help us. Good idea. Hail Mary, full of grace, grace. the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. Ooh.